Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Passionate about standing up for all Canadians. The Roy Green Show continues. Saturday edition of the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network, and uh, Dr. Forrest Tennant is not available to us, unfortunately, so uh, a couple of things I want to say to you, and then I'll introduce you to the guests who are going to be with us for the hour. I want to read this to you. A lot of people have uh, heard this, and I'm getting emails asking me, when did you read that on the air? What is, what's it about? Please, can you tell us where to find it? I didn't read it on the air yet, but I'm going to now. And uh, it was, most people have found it on Brad Wall's Twitter account, which is at Brad Wall 306, the former premier of Saskatchewan. And uh, it's, the headline is, thank you, BC, for oil discount. And it reads this way, thanks to the citizens of British Columbia who seem once again to have blocked an oil pipeline to the coast. Those of us living south of the border will continue to enjoy importing our oil at substantial discounts while exporting our oil from Gulf ports at world market prices. Your gift to us, around $100 million per day Canadian, is greatly appreciated. We marvel at your generosity while doubting your sanity. All of this will have zero impact on global climate, of course, and it's signed by Adam Lloyd of Seattle. Mr. Lloyd, and we have lots of listeners in Seattle and in... uh, Washington State. Mr. Lloyd, if you're listening, if somebody knows Adam Lloyd and you're listening, please have him get in touch with me at Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. So I read that because there's another bunch of stories that are suggesting oil prices are moving toward $70 a barrel. And if you've bought gasoline recently, you know what's been happening when you pump your money into the gas tank. It's disappearing almost as quickly as it did well, 10 years ago. And there is talk of the $100 barrel of oil again. That's something. Now, here's another one. Toronto Star reporting. The headline is, Asylum seekers will be fast-tracked to Ontario starting next week. Quebec is experiencing a lot of people, about four or 500 a day, and they expect more during the summer months who are just entering Canada illegally. And what's happening is they're being brought in, they're being extended um, refugee considerations while their cases are being evaluated, and that can take a long, long time. And uh, they're just wandering in on this, this, this road. I know exactly where this road is in Quebec. I know where it is. I've been on it. It's called Roxham Road. And uh, it connects the town of Champlain, New York, with Hammingford, Quebec. So my one thought I had was, if you don't want 400 people a day entering Canada illegally on Roxham Road, block the thing. You know, make traffic take detours. Or 
put a an, a customs and immigration post there. You don't have to build something fantastically large and expensive. A couple of SUVs with some staff. Bingo. And I know there are people who are going to say, you're heartless. These are, these are refugees. No, these are people who are wandering in from the United States. They can declare refugee status in the U.S. That's the whole idea between the safe third countries rule. That you, 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 you declare yourself a refugee in the first nation that provides refugee protection. And in this case, they're in the United States. So, but if you came in on the, the, at the border crossings that are established, wouldn't be allowed in. But because you wander in between them, then Canada takes everyone in. What about the people who are waiting years and years and years? To become accepted as immigrants to this country, who stand in line, wait in line in their countries of origin and do it the right way. I know the folks who believe in no borders are going to be very upset with me. Well, that's too bad. Close Roxham Road or put a put a, a customs or an immigration presence there and treat it as a proper border crossing. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention before we talk to our guests, and for the life of me, I can't find it. It's the way it is. So they're here with us longer than usual, and I've seen that request more than once. Catherine Swift, WorkingCanadians.ca, Michelle Simpson, at Michelle Simpson. On Twitter, Linda Leatherdale, at Linda Leatherdale, and Vice President of Cambria, Canada. They are the beauties, I'm the beast, and it's an extended version of beauties and the beast. I just love when, you know, we call you, a guest isn't there, and, and I said, well, call Catherine and Michelle and Linda. We'll go early. And you were all there. Thank you. Our pleasure. So, uh, I went through my little list. Is there any of those that you want to take a run at? <laughs> oh, boy. All of them. <laughs> Seeing as we have extra time, yes. Well, yeah, this this border crossing stuff has gone beyond the pale, and Canada rightfully has a reputation as a very welcoming country. I'm a first generation Canadian. Uh, my folks came from elsewhere, and and uh, but at what point do we make ourselves basically? the butts of abuse, which is, which is where we've gotten now. And we know this all traces back to Trudeau's infamous tweet back a couple of years ago, basically saying, come one, come all, we will welcome you no matter what. And, and Canada has nothing to be ashamed of if we do the right thing here by the people that you say, Roy, have been in the queue, some of them for years, following the rules, and suddenly they are usurped or their positions are usurped by these lawbreakers, and they are lawbreakers. And I must say one thing that hit me last week. I saw um, a tweet from the immigration minister. It was a tweet anyway, some announcement or something, about how we're going to remove any problems for anyone that has major health issues or disabilities or whatever to get into Canada. Once again, yes, we want to be, um, you know, as, as considerate and as, as compassionate as we can be. But we know our health care system is in dire, dire straits to treat the people we have. So it's one thing to bring people in holus bolus, whatever the circumstances, but it's quite another to make sure we have the machinery, whether it's 
immigration support, uh, help to get these people employed and not on social, you know, not on welfare forever, uh, health care resources and other resources. And this government loves to open the door, but they have not done anything to provide the other resources. No, and you know what the road is. You know where the, where the people are coming in. It's Roxham Road. I can take you there. I know exactly where it is. I've been on that road more than once. Uh, Michelle, is there anything of the uh, my little entry numbers that you want to get at? Here? Some thoughts on. I know there's an no. issue that's bothering you. We're going to get to that. No, um, I agree with Catherine. Uh, I think a lot of it is staging and looking good on the global stage. Look at what we're doing, but we don't have the proper infrastructure to get it done. And we're hard-pressed as it is when it comes to, say, health care, like looking after what we already have without opening doors. And a lot of them are simply economic refugees. Migrants. Really, migrants. And I don't blame people for looking for a better life. Yeah. But we have laws. We have regulations. We have treaties. Let's enforce them, and if there's a loophole that gets you into Canada between the established border crossings, then let's put a border crossing on Roxham Road. If that's the area, then let's just take care of it there. Linda, any thoughts? Well, the same. Um, You know, uh, the... Can we afford all of this? And I think we hear all too often people coming in and being able to be on the dole, um, all the assistance in the health care and benefits, et cetera, and we have our own people that have been here for a long time in dire straits. The one thing I do want to add, though, in Canada we have a skilled labor problem, and I believe the government should be doing more to bring in those kinds of skilled trades that we need to keep our economy going. So I think there's a dichotomy here. We're letting anybody in. Let's be strategic. Well, they talk about doing that, but then, you know, we get the story that right on the start of it. I used to work with, and he's been on this program, a young man from Mexico. And uh, he, I worked with him in Montreal in around 2007, 2008. He came into Canada as an immigrant. He did everything correctly by the numbers. He became a Canadian citizen. He brought his fiancée into Canada, correctly by the numbers. She got an immigration lawyer. She became a Canadian citizen. And one night, people will rem- some people will remember this, I'm telling us, one evening they were in a restaurant in old Montreal, and somebody was speaking Spanish with, a, with an accent that was from the region of Mexico where he was from or they were from. So they started talking to this young couple, and they found out that they were in Canada indeed, and uh, they were here, and they declared themselves refugees. And so... My, uh, my, my young Mexican friend said, uh, well, why don't you do this properly? Why don't you um, apply and I'll get you the name of my immigration lawyer and you can do what my wife and I did and you can become Canadian citizens? And they said, no, 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 no. We are just recently married. We came to Canada. We're going to use Canada as a vacation spot. We declared ourselves refugees so we can get money. We can travel. We can get health care. We can get dental care. And then when we're through with our time, uh, then we're going to return to Mexico and uh, the government will take us off their books because, you know, we won't, we won't be here as refugee claimants any longer. And he also said there used to be a site that was very popular in South America and Spanish instructing people how to come to Canada and beat the system. 
Well, I've, I've heard similar stories from people who either have just arrived in Canada or have family, um, you know, elsewhere in the world, but they're in Canada and so on. I remember being told years and years ago by a man, he was a, a small business guy in Canada, but he had relatives in Portugal, and he said, you know, um, you Canadians are idiots, is <laughs> what he said. <laughs> you know, you, you bend over backwards to the point that you're hurting yourself. And he, ta- he talked about his mother and father who were living back in Portugal, which was the old country for them, collecting CPP. <laughs> so that's just one example of many, I'm sure, yeah, we can yeah. find, Roy. But what bugs me about all this, too, is when any of us express even a shred of concern that this is not all happy, happy, sunny days with all these people flooding into Canada in ways that are frankly illegal. Um, we are accused of being racist or, or you know, whatever, uh, and intolerant and so on and so forth. In other words, in trying to be sensible, you are, you are vilified. And, and this is what's outrageous about this particular federal government. There's a few provincial governments that do it too, um, to my way of thinking. Any sensible uh, reaction or opposition to some of these policies, you're in, immediately vilified as some kind of totally evil person that should not have the right to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Let me you're take a quick let me let me, right. let me take a quick break, and we will come back with Catherine Swift, Michelle Simpson, Linda Leatherdale. He always got Andy straight A's, but his report card said he talked too much. This is the Roy Green Show. He may be Donald Trump, but I'm not Hillary Clinton, not in Ontario, and Ontario is not the United States of America. Kathleen Wynn, she can fight an election in another country. I'm focused on the people of Ontario. All right, so uh, <laughs> whenever I hear Doug Ford, I want to say, okay, I'm, I'm, it's just the way I hear it. Um, Catherine Swift, let's put him up. Catherine Swift, Linda Leatherdale, Michelle Simpson are with us. They're the beauties on the beast, and it's an extended version today. So Gerald sends an email to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Because you know you know what uh, David Hurley said, right? The co-chairman of the, of the Wynn campaign. He said, uh, Doug Ford's a bit of a dick. Well, uh, Gerald uh, sends an email after Hurley's remarks concerning Doug Ford. All I, all I can say is, go, dick, go. <laughs> I hadn't seen that one. <laughs> Well, it's an email to me. <laughs> well, this also came on the heels of um, the liberals lying about something that um, Ford supposedly said but didn't. It was actually something Trump said about um, African-American Canadians, I guess, slash, slash. Um, and, and, and then they had to admit it wasn't true. And then they had to retract and apologize for this. Hurley Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Thing. Are you trying, trying to say that something that the, uh, that the wind government said wasn't true? <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously. Shocker. You'd be, you'd, be, you'd be better off trying to look at what they say that is true. <laughs> the number would be much smaller. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, I talked with, uh, with, uh, with our good friend Daryl Bricker at the top of the program, the CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs and the author of The Big Shift. And we were talking about the, uh, the, the attitudes in, in Canada. And he was saying, Michelle, and you haven't, as a, as a former member of Parliament, maybe this really rings a bell with you. Uh, he said there's, a, um, there's, a, there's a, a, a shift of attitude. There's a, there's a uh, right versus left more than uh, than there was before so there's this 
there's this attitudinal shift that's taking place. Oh, when, yeah. If you if you talk to people the, the, who you who you know are still in the poli- political arena, and those you know who were in the political arena, would you all agree with that? Hello. Yeah. Sorry, I couldn't hear you, Roy. Oh. Well, I'm not going to say it all again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he said uh, Daryl Bricker said that uh, that there's a shift, an attitudinal shift among voters that goes left and right more. Than oh, perhaps yeah. before, you know, the there's pendulum this swings large. Yeah, there's this tribal attitude. This is my this is my tribe, and you're in the other tribe. So yeah. this is the, you 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 hear this as well among among former members of parliament, current members of parliament. Are you there? Oh, yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Uh, Linda, anything to oh. add to that? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I will say all political parties, though, have some have gone to the left, some will go to the right. They go to the middle. They go to where the vote is. No, but I'm talking about voters. Where are voters are going? Are they are voters? Do you see uh, voters as a group, as as groups, yeah. adopting yeah. a right or left position, and then going there and staying there and defending that? In other words, it's not Doug Ford so much as the fact that he's almost accidental to the thing, that, that he's going to probably become Premier of Ontario. It's just that the voters in the province are going to go to the right. Well, go to the right because look at what the Liberals have done. You know, it's, it's, it's voter disgust right now with all uh, that's gone on in Ontario. So all I'm, I was trying to say, whether the voters go there, I'm just saying the political parties themselves confuse the voters going left and right on different issues. So no wonder. No, the political parties do more than confuse it. It's, it's polarization, right, Roy, that you're talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there was a very interesting thing. Somebody dredged up, and I can't remember the specifics of it, but somebody dredged up a, a several-decade-old statement by a U.S. Democrat, and when you heard it, I retweeted it, when you, re, when you heard it, and it was talking about actually illegal immigration in the U.S., and when you heard it, you would think it was a hard right conservative saying it. <laughs> but this was a Democrat back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. I, and I think we, yeah. we have seen, for all kinds of different reasons, an overall shift. Even, even our parties who used to be sort of right are more centrist now, and some lean even left on issues. There has been this whole shift, I would say, in a leftward direction. That's my personal opinion. Um, and and, I, and I, I, I must say, I've personally been challenged as to understand why it's happening. Well, let's think about that. Let's think, let's think about that because we have to take a break. Let's think about it. We have to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue with Catherine Swift and Michelle Simpson and Linda Leatherdale. We'll get to our usual time for Beauties and the Beast. And uh, there are issues they wanted to get at that we will get at, like the member of parliament who was kicked out of his chairman's job, committee chairman's job, and lost $12,000 of income. That's a big hit because he just disagreed with the boss and wouldn't vote the way the boss wanted him to. So that's one story. And then uh, Ms. Leatherdale is scorching over hydro. We'll come back. He doesn't like bullies, and he'll call them out. This, this is The Roy Green Show. Billy's got 
got a PhD and Sarah, she's a teacher. They love to rock and roll, they throw their brains out on the weekend. Together they have built the world, a lot of it is real. And we are here to ease them through the parts they can't conceal. A smiling way. So I'm receiving emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com as I knew I would. Would you please read that thing again about the oil? Sure, I will. Here it is. And it's from Adam Lloyd in Seattle. Thanks to the citizens of British Columbia who seem once again to have blocked an oil pipeline to the coast. Those of us living south of the border will continue to enjoy importing your oil at substantial discounts while exporting our oil from Gulf ports at world market prices. Your gift to us, around $100 million per day Canadian, is greatly appreciated. We marvel at your generosity while doubting your sanity. All of this will have zero impact on global climate, of course, Adam Lloyd in Seattle, Washington. So um, we will hope that we can touch base with Mr. Lloyd, that he'll call us. Catherine Swift, WorkingCanadians.ca, Linda Leatherdale, at Linda Leatherdale, Vice President of Cambria, Canada, Michelle Simpson, former Liberal Member of Parliament, and seatmate to Justin Trudeau, Ms. Simpson was the MP who decided we should know how much money she spent on her expenses. Meanwhile, the party said, no, 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 you can't tell Canadians that. You must not do that. And if you stop, we'll give you a nice big office, a new office with a bathroom, a washroom. You know. <laughs> and when she said no, they said, well, then in that case, we won't let you speak in Parliament anymore. So we're so glad that she's here. Uh, that is a long way of introducing the story, introducing you to tell us the story of Mr. Scott Sims that you emailed to me about, Michelle. Exactly, Roy. Scott is a really good guy, and he toes the party line. But every now and again, and Dan McTagg and I had this conversation, um, this is worse than anything we've seen. Because Scott said he was, you know, pro-choice, um, but there are companies that employ summer students that they get government funding for, and people in my writing about it, uh, but if your organization is in any way not pro- pro-choice, you don't get one. So when it came for a vote, Scott Sims was the only guy who stood up and said, this is wrong. I'm not voting with the party. And I totally respect that, right? So what happened when Mr. Sims stood up and said, I'm not voting the way Mr. Trudeau wants me to vote? I know he says, says all of these companies, all these organizations that want to provide summer jobs and look for federal funding to do that, they get the little sheet and they have to tick off all the boxes and they have to tick off the one, all the one, the way we want them ticked off. And yeah. and, and Mr. Sims said, no, what happened in the PMO? Oh, he, you know, he paid the price. He was a, a committee chair. And when I say the price, it wasn't about the money, but he took it 12000 dollar hit, which shows you some of the integrity this man has. And he was voting his constituents' way and his conscience that this should have nothing to do with funding for students this summer. 
So where were the other Scott Sims? Where were what? the other ones who said no, who would have said no? And and Michelle, what does this do? You've been through this. What does this do to Mr. Sims and his prospects of plum opportunities within the Liberal government now? He's got no opportunities. I talked to another MP um, yesterday who took the same kind of stand, not on that issue, and um, he said to me, I've ruined my chances. I said, but you know what? You have your integrity intact. So, it, it, you know, it's kind of systemic, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they used to criticize Stephen Harper, but in my mind, this government is worse than Harper was about this type of thing. Do you know, I go back to 1993 and sitting in a studio with John Nunziata. Yes. And uh, John sat with me and he said on the air, he said, I am not going to vote with the government on the finance bill because yes. Mr. Chrétien, who became the prime minister, and that was that wipeout year of 1993 when the progressive conservative government, former majority government, was cut down to two seats in Parliament, Elsie Wayne and Jean Charest. Yeah. Uh, Jean, uh, um, um, who am I talking about? Yeah, John, John Nunziata. Yeah. Too many names. John Nunziata said, I will not vote with the government, and it's going to cost me. And he didn't vote with the government, and on a finance bill, that's, a, of course, a, a very serious matter. That's a confidence bill. And Chrétien yeah. threw him out of the party. And uh, he sat as an independent. What I liked was the fact that he ran as an independent in the following election as Jean Chrétien threw all, everything he could at John Nunziata to get him uh, defeated, and his constituents stuck with him and reelected him as an independent. They didn't the next time around, but John Nunziata showed everybody else some real backbone. Exactly. I agree. Well, you know, when Michelle, when Michelle, you said he, his future is, is, you know, bleak or whatever, um, I don't think so because you know what? He's going to get reelected in his riding. Yeah, but within the party, they're not going to do anything for him. Well, right? not, not at the moment. And don't forget, an NDP MP also uh, dissented on this particular piece of legislation. And he was initially punished. He was, I think he was a deputy chair of a committee or a, you know, associate chair of a committee. Uh, Christofferson is the guy's name. He's I know him well, yeah, David yeah. Christofferson. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he was an MPP in Ontario two years ago. Anyway. He was the attorney general. Yeah, yes, under yeah. Ray? No. That's right. Because he was a dipper. Okay. No, he was the he was he was the he was the attorney general. Because well, I sat at me because I know the man and he's he's a real commie. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, he dissented. He also and got stripped of this responsibility. And then and then there was such controversy about it. Jagmeet Singh, the relatively new leader of the NDP, reinstated him in that role. But I think I, I don't think the Liberals are going to reinstate Scott Sims no way, somehow. No, way. no. You know what? You may talk about David Christofferson. I'll go back to the days of Bob Ray's government, yeah. and David was the Attorney General, and we were. I can tell the story now because it's been so many years. But David and I sat next to each other at a police dinner at the head table, and I was the master of ceremonies, and he was a speaker because he was the Attorney General at the time, and uh, and so he and I were talking, and uh, you know, a glass of wine, and and he was quite quite open with me about how he felt about things. And then he said, the next morning you woke up, I thought, oh my God, what have I done? (laughs) Of all the people in the world I should not talk to, it's him. (laughs) (laughs) Of all the people I shouldn't tell anything to, 
It's green. And now, what did I say to him last night? He's going to go on the air this morning, and he's going to tear me apart. He's going to repeat everything I said. He said, I turned on the radio. My hand was shaking. You listening, David? Uh, and he said, you never said a word. You never, ever said a word about anything that was said at the table. Because it was, to me, it was off the record. We, yeah. were, just, we were just talking to each other. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so I'd like David. I yeah, he might he might be a comic. He's pretty he's pretty far left. I remember dealing with him he's when good he guy, was though. in the Ray government he's a good back guy. in the day. He's a good guy. He's pretty left. Personally good guy. Um Linda, you were gonna say something. Well I was just gonna say, I mean, back to this it's like a dictatorship because let's go back. I love John Nutziata. Remember it was the Liberals axed the tax and then they came in yep. the GST, but let's go back. Kilgore and Kindy, they voted against Brian Maroney and the GST and Michael Wilson, and they got turfed as well. So uh, to me, there has to be a change. To me, I believe you need to stand up for your constituents, not for the government. And I know people disagree with me, but I call it direct democracy. Well, it's the way it should be. But, Michelle, how much pressure is there if, if they know that there's a member of parliament who is leaning towards saying, look, my conscience won't let me vote with my government or vote with my party. I have to, I can't do this. And they are aware, the party is aware of what this MP may be thinking or is thinking of. How much pressure do they put on her or him uh, leading up to whatever vote it is? Tons of pressure. Uh, you know, uh, what are the sorts they, of things that they say? they want an office with a washroom, uh, but... It, it it really is, um, and thanks to you, Roy, it really is awful. And I remember that when we toppled the government, which we did uh, in 2011, um, I told the whip, the one that was punishing me, I said, I'm going to get this story out, and I don't know how but I'm going to let people know what happens internally. And I'm sure it's not just the liberals. Uh, you know, I'm sure it happens. The pressure is intense. So you have to, you have, to have the backbone and the um, intestinal fortitude to say, no, I'm representing my constituents, and this is what... It isn't even about what I believe, but it's... It's about doing the right thing. And you're all alone. You're all, no, you had nobody to support you. There wasn't any media to stand there and say, Michelle Simpson's doing the right thing. You were alone in Ignatieff's office with the whip. You have the leader and the whip, and they're putting the pressure on you. And you make a decision, and you make it on your own, and you stand there, and you, and you take it, and you say to them, why don't you do what I did? That takes uh, tremendous courage. No, well, not courage. Intestinal fortitude. And there's a lot of pressure now for people to collapse because we're the government and they're all brown-nosing for a cabinet post or parliamentary secretary. Like, there are a lot more goodies out there. I was wondering what that was on the tip of their noses. <laughs> well, that in a nutshell is why I never ran for politics because I knew I'd be in Siberia forever. In the gulag. In the gulag. Yes, exactly. In the gulag. <laughs> Let me take a break. We'll come back with Linda, Michelle, and Catherine. And uh, Linda is scorching hot over an Ontario Hydro issue. And uh, the Liberals, uh, who are meeting in Halifax, 
The backbenchers want all drugs decriminalized. Mr. Trudeau has a preference for marijuana, and so he's saying no. I made that last part up, but sounds right, doesn't it? We'll come right back. He has been called many things, but we just call him Roy. This is the Roy Green Show. We are back with uh, the beauties with Catherine Swift, workingcanadians.ca, Linda Leatherdale at Linda Leatherdale, and Michelle Simpson at Michelle Simpson on Twitter. Before I do anything else, Linda, we're going to get to the story about Hydro One. I know it really matters to you, but i got to do this. You'll appreciate it. Leonard uh, sends a tweet uh, hi, uh, at the Roy Green Show. Hi, Roy. Ask the beauties. What they think of the NDP, this is in Ontario, campaigning on the promise to turn Ontario into a sanctuary province. I think I know the answer to that already. <laughs> Catherine? <laughs> not, not a winner with me. No? It's, it, it, it is, the, the NDP platform is absurd on many, many levels, and, and this is one of them. Let's just leave it at that. Okay, Michelle. Uh, I actually agree. Uh, in terms of the NDP, I think that Andrea Horvath had a bit of a shot, but their platform is so wonky, um, it's going to be an uphill climb for her. Okay, they got confused the last time, and they don't know how to where to turn this time. I think I'm being gracious. And Linda Leatherdale, your thoughts on this province becoming a sanctuary province, if it's Premier Horvath, and then just segue directly into your concerns about Ontario well, Hydro. Ask you, what is a sanctuary province? Well, that's why if you, like California, you, you, you just come here and uh, you know, we have sanctuary cities where the province would not help the police, would not help, not go out of their way to help legal authorities to, to find and remove illegals. Yeah. You know, we have enough problems, and you are so right, Michelle. Andrea Horwath had a good chance. She could have come up the middle here, and instead, this is ridiculous. But come on, the big issue burning for most of us and electrocuting our paychecks? Hydro. Fraser Institute just came out with a report showing that our electricity prices for residential, residential taxpayers, jumped 71%. From 2008 to 200 to 2016, this is under the Liberal Watch. This is under a, a, an ill-conceived, and they blame the government. Also, let's go to large industrial users, up 51 percent. We've lost 75,000 jobs because of this, and not only that, we are paying amongst the highest hydro in all of North America. And the Green Act, give my give your head a shake. All right, so so what do we need now? You, you know, we broadcast. In British Columbia, in Alberta, in Saskatchewan, in Manitoba, and in Ontario. Ontario got the worst deal as far as the hydro is concerned. And the uh, Auditor General will point that out. But what about the other provinces? Don't go down well, that Roy, road. Don't go down that Alberta road? Alberta is copying Ontario's don't. green strategy. Don't. Yeah. So it's with a little bit of a delay. So yes, Ontario so far is the worst. But on uh, Alberta, you know, hold on to your wallets because it's coming to you soon. Is that what and it's called, a strategy? 
Well, well, and, and don't, they don't advertise it that way. Ontario Hydro, but but, but really? there's, they're copying the same highly, you know, heavily subsidizing these green producers to an yeah. absurd degree. And of course, the the, the rate payers, i.e., hydro users, uh, p- pick up the freight for that. But there's a wonderful piece in the Globe today, by the way. Well, let me just ask you this: for, for British Columbia, oh yes, has the see. unique has the unique reality of an NDP government that's being propped up by Andrew Weaver and a couple of Green Party members. Well, they've already made some noises in this direction, and they've also pulled, and this was under the previous administration, Christy Clark, they also pulled the stunt that the Ontario, the Ontario Liberals pulled, which was hiding a whole bunch of their debt off book in the hydro utilities column, as it were, uh, to pretend that things weren't as bad as they appear. I, I tell you, if a private company CEO did this, he'd be in, he or she would be in jail. And Manitoba? Yeah. Manitoba? Anybody? How do you feel about Manitoba's reality with hydro? I so. don't know about Manitoba, right? Yeah. I, I don't either. But can I go back? And then there's, and then, well, there's, and then there, well, Manitoba, I think, is far better off than, than the province of Ontario is. And Quebec is better And off. don't forget this, Saskatchewan under Premier Scott Moe yep. has it right, has it correctly. Yep. Well, Manitoba now has a conservative government. I know that, well, they call him the absentee premier. But. Yeah, well, that, there's an issue there for sure. <laughs> but, uh, but Scott Moe, I, I agree with you. I, I don't know Scott Moe. I knew Brad Wall quite well. I don't know Scott Moe, but I'll tell you, he's growing on me. I think he looks like a he good... was on. He was on the show last weekend. Well, yep. And okay. he was and very I heard, direct. And I heard him, Roy. Very direct. He, he seems like a real winner. Yep. And bravo. He does. All righty, uh, beauties, we have 20 seconds left, and they're all mine. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming on early. We really appreciate it. We don't know what do- where Dr. Uh, uh, Forrest Tennant is, but we'll catch up with him, and uh, we'll have him on the show on a weekend ahead. And uh, I really appreciate you guys coming on early. Thank you. I can say that. You guys, I haven't said it for a long time. I haven't oh, said it. Oh, go ahead. I've we been loved so, We loved it. I've been so politically correct. It's great to have more time with you, Roy, as always. Yeah. Well, thank you, yeah. Catherine. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Michelle. We'll come back and wrap things up in just a minute.